You know what time it is. It's another episode of the 3-in-1 Podcast. Yeah. Joining us from Cincinnati, Ohio, give it up for Keith Turner Jr. What is up, everybody? It was a good sports weekend for my teams, and it was. (laughs) And in the capital city, it's your boy, Malcolm Morgan. Ladies and gentlemen, we are one short today. International Ian is doing what International Ian does. He's on the road. Um, but we are going to do a little two-in-one special for you That's guys right. today. And this time, the light-skinned dude is here. So ain't none of that dark-skinned <laughs> two-in-one stuff. I'm representing all for all the light brights out there today. That's right. That's right. Got a little, got a little uh, ebony and ivory going on up in here. <laughs> we miss you, Ian. Oh, yeah, Ian. Come on back, man. Stay, Malcolm's lonely. Woke. Malcolm wants some more dark skin love. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag stay woke. Oh, um, man. <clears throat> all right. So we're going to get started. Uh, NBA season is slowly approaching. The preseason has started. As everyone knows, we are all LeBron James fans here. And That's he right. made his Laker debut over the weekend. Um, and so I got to watch um, a little bit of the game. Um, first few things I noticed is that this team is going to play really fast. Pe- play really fast as they'll um, have to they're gonna try to get up and down the court as much as possible um and, and honestly i did not see lebron bring up the ball hardly at all um in this game um so that's kind of encouraging as well seeing him play off the ball i think the mixture of him and rondo as playmakers um lonzo ball didn't play but when he you add that third playmaker i think it's going to make things a lot easier for for guys but keith i wanted to get your thoughts on what you expect to see um, in the preseason, in the early season, from these new look Lakers. Um, I mean, I guess a couple things. Um, of course, we hear about Lonzo Ball's surgery, um, and LeBron apparently stated that his shooting form looks much better. Um, so that's one thing that is definitely on my mind. I want to see um, <clears throat> because we know that man can not shoot, um, <laughs> and it will be it will be a terrific thing if he can come back and um be able to you know not just you know score you know get the ball to the rim or assist but if he can make some jump shots that'll be that'll be dangerous for LA um and then of course at the end of the day I just want to see how this team is going to jail you put a lot of different pieces together you got Rondo who is a playmaker not necessarily a scorer a good defender though and then you add you know Lance Stevenson who you know can get hot in any minute can be ice cold um but also can defend LeBron who of course is LeBron you know and of course you bring Ingram and all these guys together so I'm really interested to see how they gel you know JaVale McGee it's just a lot of different pieces that I'm just like man I'm curious as to how this is all going to work, how this is going to flow, you know, Kuzma and I don't know, you know, and then also how Luke Walton will be able to manage everything. Uh, He's still a young coach. um, And now like anywhere LeBron goes, there's pressure. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, you know, some of these guys like Rodney Hood and others talk about playing with LeBron, you know, they feel so much more pressure. Um, So I'll be excited to see how Luke Walton will be able to manage this team manage the minutes, you know, um, run their offense and all. So those are the things that, you know, stand out, of course. Uh, but, you know, 
Um, LeBron already made a flashy play. You know, it seems like they're they're definitely starting to, you know, begin the starting steps of yeah. building chemistry. I mean, of course, it takes it takes a while. You know, there's not too many teams like the Celtics who can get together in the offseason and win a championship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that team was a team that had low, you know, guys loaded with experience and was able to play well together. This is a team full of young guys. And now they 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 seasoned in a little bit of uh, of experience with LeBron and JaVale and some of them. So um, this is going to be an interesting preseason. I can't lie. I probably won't watch a whole lot. I'm not a huge fan of any preseason. NFL, <laughs> NBA, doesn't matter. Um, but um, I may have to check out a few just to see um, how they're progressing. <laughs> Yeah, preseason basketball is is not good, but I was thirsty to see how this team was going to look. <laughs> I was real thirsty. I, I miss basketball. Um, I don't miss it that much. Not yet. <laughs> well, look, it was funny. LeBron only played fifteen minutes, and um, I was I was talking. I was actually talking to Ian during the game, and I was like, "Man, I'm realizing how much." This team is not going to be fun to watch without LeBron, LeBron on the floor. <laughs> seriously, seriously, man, goodness. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they how they pull together, and we'll of course have our NBA season preview soon. Um, we'll go through um, all the teams. Well, not all the teams. All the good teams. We'll talk about. Um, not talk about those bad teams. Um, but we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about college football. The big yeah, game this baby. weekend. Ohio State got the big win in Happy Valley against Preach Penn State. It. Preach it, Winning man. Twenty-seven to twenty-six. Yes, sir. This was a nail by. This is so far. This has been the best game of the year um, in my book. Um, I don't really, know, man. That or, that Oregon game uh, what was against Stanford was really good. That man. was good too. But this one, I don't know. This one, this one, I think has a little bit of an edge in my book. It was nail, tooth and nail all the way down to the end. Yeah. Um, what you, What are your first impressions of this game? First of all, how many freaking people can? How many more people can Penn State fit in that doggone stadium? They keep breaking <laughs> records. It's unbelievable. One hundred and ten thousand eight hundred eighty nine. Um, you just add a seat after every game, right? I mean, goodness, they got to be making some of this stuff up. My goodness, um, but no, um, I mean, I not to call myself, you know, a expert or anything, but what I said in the preview for this game was it was going to come down to third downs. Mm-hmm. Penn State was terrible on third down coming into this game, and they repeated that, being three of seventeen on third down. Yeah. Um, Ohio State wasn't much better; they converted one more, you know, on third down, but. A um, few things in my book. Of course, this is the first game we've seen Dwayne Haskins have to struggle. Um, yeah. He made a mistake. You know, he was missing some some passes that he would you know normally make the last few games. Uh, so you can tell that pressure. You know, being in that environment. You know, that's the most people he's ever played in front of ever. So um, it was interesting to see him. You know, deal with that. Um, but his teammates really stepped up. You know, uh, J.K. Dobbins, you know, touchdown, I believe, before half was crucial. I think it was mm-hmm. crucial for his, you know, his psyche, you know, his confidence. Um, but he turned it around in the second half. You know, he did again. He didn't make all the throws, but he made enough to get the job done. And, you know, his playmakers really stepped up. Um, McSurley was unbelievable. Oh my uh, gosh. I mean, 461 yards passing, 175 yards rushing. Um, he was just oh gosh, like you I was. Know. I was just curious, like how have they never? Did they not know that he could run? I mean, it just seemed like every time he dropped back, 
he just had a wide open lane right up the middle and could yeah. just run for a first down whenever he felt like it. Yeah, and it seemed like it wasn't until fourth quarter until they started like setting a spy on him. I'm just like, why did you guys not do this after the first quarter or after the second quarter? Right. Um, but you can also tell Malcolm where they missed um, Nick Bosa. Yeah. Uh, because him getting in there, you know, could have forced McSurley. Of course, I mean, Bosa's on the outside, but still putting more pressure on him um, yeah. could have definitely played a bigger role. Um, so but it's good to see that they stepped up without him. They got the win. Um, and then, you know, two other things to me is, of course, you, you have to talk about the last the last play for Penn State offensively. Oh my gosh. I just don't understand how you don't put the ball in McSurley's hands. You know, <laughs> even if he, even if you call a pass, he may be able to get up the middle or something. But you cannot like huh. and the coach, he said it was on him. And of course it was on him. You know, James Franklin, you want to talk about your team ain't elite? Your play calling ain't elite. That was not uh, elite. <laughs> that play call was the worst. It's almost as bad as Pete Carroll calling a pass play when he had yeah. Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl. It reminds me just of that. Um, so that was really, really bad. Um, and Ohio State's play calling, like, you can kind of tell they miss a very mobile quarterback. Some of the plays they call – it would almost seem as though they wish JT Barrett was still running mm. um, because some it just seemed like, you know, some of those plays were built or designed for a mobile quarterback. And Haskins is not necessarily that. He may try to escape, but he is a slinger. Um, yeah. So I didn't love some of the play calling. But at the end of the day, they turn it around, and uh, I'm excited they get the win. Yeah, I, I came away very impressed with um, the way that, Haskins kind of bounced back early on. You know, yep. they were really putting pressure on him, and he was missing a lot of throws. Yes, he uh, was. But he made just enough plays. And, and the, really the key play was that, um, I believe it was Benjamin Victor with that touchdown mm-hmm. um, when mm-hmm. Penn State was up 12, and it kind of seemed like they were taking control of the game. Yep. Um, and Victor was able to take that pass, that short pass, to take it to the house. Yep. That is where you really felt, okay, maybe this game isn't over. I mean, even mm-hmm. Urban talked about it. He thought at that moment, he looked up at the scoreboard at the time and heard the crowd and thought, okay, I don't think we're going to pull this one out. Um, but I give Penn State some credit. Their defense is, it was played a lot better than I thought they would. Um, I thought Ohio State would have no problem scoring against them, but they put together a good game plan. Yep. Um, and then the Ohio State defense just completely stuffed Miles Sanders mm-hmm. um, the whole game, which made that fourth down play even more preposterous because – he hadn't gotten any running room the entire game. And then you think on fourth and three, he's going to be able to get you three. It just didn't make any sense. None whatsoever. Um, but they also, I mean, K, they also were unfortunate to have that injury to KJ Hamler, who was destroying Ohio State up to that point. Um, I think on four receptions, he had 143 yards in that long 97-yard touchdown. Um, it's unreal. He, yeah. And he, I, I believe he's, he's a freshman, right? I believe you may be right, honestly. I believe they said the freshman, yeah. Yeah. Between him and um and then Johnson had that unbelievable catch in the first quarter as well. That, that was um a top ten play. Showed on highlights all week long. So um, you know, it's it was a great game up until that last play call. It's unfortunate that it had to end that way. I would like to have seen uh if they could pull it out with some better play calling. But that that makes me, you know, you look at the Ohio State schedule. Um, looking at the teams ahead of them, what what challenges do you still see on on the uh, on the excuse me on the schedule for Ohio State? 
I mean, here's the deal. Like, it's not going to get any easier. Of course, you always have trap games. Like, Indiana's mm-hmm. going to be a trap game this week. You can't overlook any team in the Big Ten because they want to beat Ohio State bad. Except um, Nebraska. You can overlook Nebraska. <laughs> oh, poor Scott Frost. Um, <laughs> but, um, I mean, of course, I'm circling the matchup with Michigan State. Um, I, I don't think that they're playing consistently. Mm-hmm. Um um, circling Wisconsin, even though they lost to uh, BYU. Well, they're not playing Wisconsin. I sure. thought they are. You sure? Yep. They have Indiana, Minnesota, Purdue, Nebraska, Michigan State, Maryland, and then Michigan. Okay. Well, maybe it will be Wisconsin potentially in, a, in the Big Ten Championship. Regardless. Um, and then, of course, Michigan. Um, I don't know why I thought we were playing Wisconsin. But anyways, uh, Michigan State and Michigan, literally. Um, every other game is a trap game, basically. You know, um, Northwestern lost Jeremy Larkin. Um, you know, so, yeah. And, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm thinking we should we should finish the season undefeated. Now that we beat Penn State, mm-hmm. um, it's just we cannot overlook anyone. We cannot have another Iowa experience happen again. Yeah. Um, or we won't make the playoff. And that's the thing. I think Dwayne Haskins learned a lot from this. So I'm really excited to see him bounce back, you know, this week against Indiana and just see how he continues to progress throughout the rest of the season. But the two Michigans, the two teams from Michigan, I'm uh, I'm circling, of course. Yeah, I uh, I think I mentioned in our preview, for whatever reason, that Purdue game at Purdue always yeah. seems to be tough. Uh, always. It always falls at a weird place in the schedule where there's no big games before it or after it. Um, and Purdue has been pretty decent the last couple years. Uh, but if you look at Michigan and Michigan State, they both kind of bring a similar problem um, that that Penn State, and that is that they have mobile quarterbacks who can hurt yep. you if the pocket yep. breaks down. Yep. Um, and so that's something that they're going to have to shore up, especially if they don't have Bosa back by those games. Seriously. Um, and, Let's pray we know, do. <laughs> and, you know, not as it's not very quiet as it's kept. Michigan's defense is way better than Penn State's. Um, so when they face um, when they face Michigan, I think that's going to be the biggest test for Haskins. Um, obviously, Michigan's going to be motivated for that game. We got a long way to go to get to that, but those are the two things you got to look at. And then Maryland does not Maryland's no slouch this year. Um, they beat Texas, a Texas team who seems to be really starting to get it together now. Yeah, I don't um, think they would beat them again. So <laughs> I think they caught them at the right time. Yeah. Uh, first game of the year. Uh, but Maryland, they're coming. They're 3-1, and one, uh, only losses to Temple. Um, Which is know, a bad it's, loss. It's a bad loss, yeah. Um, but, you know, they could be coming. They're playing Michigan this week. I guess we'll, we'll learn a lot about Maryland this week if they're for real or not. But, yeah, as long as Ohio State stays focused um, – through these through this these next two or three games up until the Michigan State game, that they'll be in good shape. But we'll see how this shakes out. Yep. Um. So another team that could potentially crash the playoff party is oh Notre boy. Dame. Oh God. I'll be honest. I did not think that this Notre Dame team was going to be all that good. Um, losing some both significant talent, offensive lines, some playmakers on the outside. But they keep finding ways to win, even changing quarterbacks um, during the season, uh, which is almost unheard of for a team this high up in the rankings. Yeah. So how do you feel about this Notre Dame team? They beat Stanford last week pretty handily. Dominant. Um, I I started watching that game, and that game got out of hand pretty quick. But you Mm -hmm. look at the rest of their schedule— 
Um, and they play Virginia Tech this week, and we'll talk yep. a little bit about this game a little bit later, but that's the last ranked team they'll face for the rest of the year. Yep. Um, so if they run the table, do you think Notre Dame deserves a place in the college football playoff? Yeah, I will. Um, well, okay, first of all, let me take that back. I, I guess it will depend on who's there um, at the end of the season, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I could definitely see, again, one or two teams, of course, from the SEC getting in, uh, the Big Ten champion, if, of course, if it's Ohio State getting in, um, you know, a team like Oklahoma um, and do not sleep on UCF. If they go undefeated again, mm. they may get a shot because uh, they look for real. Um, so it'll depend, Malcolm. But here's what I will say. I was very impressed because last week I picked Stanford because I can't trust Notre Dame. I, every time I think they're going to win. That's why I'm really like I'm battling in my mind right now who I'm going to pick for this game against Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech is no slouch. Of course, we'll get into that in a little bit. But Ian Book looked good four touchdowns, 278 yards against Stanford. Um, You know, their defense held Bryce Love to only 73 yards. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they 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 were over 50 percent on third down this past week. Uh, Miles Boykin had 11 catches, 100, I believe, in like 44 yards. Their defense is only allowing 18 points a game. Notre Dame is playing, um, and my apologies to them. I thought they had no chance against Stanford. <laughs> um, really, I thought Stanford was going to, you know, rise to the occasion after their uh, huge victory they had over Oregon the previous week. But uh, they went to Notre Dame, got their behinds with. So uh, I'm still struggling with Notre Dame. I just, I just can't trust them right now. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. But I'll tell you this much. Um, If they go to Virginia Tech and they're dominant, they would have earned, you know, my trust the rest of the season. Um, So we'll see, man. But they are definitely trending upwards and uh, looking really, really good. Yeah, I I definitely. um, It's the funny thing about them is they're doing it this year without any real big name players, players that are sticking out. You know, in Heisman races or even being elite players at their position, it's just not you don't see that with this team. And I think that's kind of what lulled us to sleep a little bit with them. Um, You know, Brandon Winbush was the early uh, starter beginning of the year um, and struggled, you know, quite a bit. And they they switched to Ian Book and it it really seems like that ignited their offense. I believe he has seven touchdowns and no interceptions so far this year. Um, Played a great game against Stanford. Um, and at this point of the season, you know, once they get past the Virginia Tech game, the you know, they've got Virginia Tech this week. They've got Penn State – or not Penn State, Pitts, Pittsburgh. Um, which Navy, which is always tricky. Yeah, uh, triple true. option. Mm-hmm. Um, Northwestern, Florida State, who's down. Syracuse, who's been better this year. Yeah, yeah. And then USC, who's been really inconsistent. So, yep. I mark wins for almost all of those games unless yeah. they come out and play terrible. And that Stanford win is going to look good. So far, the Michigan win looks good. Um, and this Virginia Tech win could potentially be the capper on the season. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I find it very difficult to keep them out. Um, of course, it, a lot of it depends on what happens above them. Um, yeah. uh, undefeated or one loss Big Ten uh, champion, you have to assume, will be in. 
um, a one-loss or undefeated SEC champion you, you assume will be in. The yeah. Pac-12 is always a little shaky just because they, they tend to cannibalize each other. Yep. Um, the no one from the Pac-12 getting in. Just saying it yeah. right now. No one's from the, the Pac-12 getting in. The ACC is is weaker than we've seen in a while, especially with yep. Florida State not being as good. Absolutely. Um, Big 12, so this is, that'll be the other, the other yeah. conference. And then the Big 12, they've got some solid teams at the top, talking about West Virginia, Texas, Oklahoma. Yep. Um, all those teams, I think, will be able to get in with one or one loss or undefeated. But the, the door is open for Notre Dame to do it. It is. Um, it especially, is. Especially, and we all know that there's going to be some upset we did not expect. Mm-hmm. Um, upset or two, especially down the stretch. So Notre Dame's in a great position as long as they, you know, obviously win the games in front of them. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, how teams adjust now that Ian Book has a couple more games under his belt, mm-hmm. um, evaluating some of the things that he does well and how the offense changes. Um, I'll be really interested to see what this Virginia Tech team could do against that. I don't want to talk too much about it because we're going to talk about it a little bit later. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame kind of responds now to to playing this lead role and not just a uh, underdog. Yep. And then let's go ahead and go to Clemson, South Carolina. Um, they were able to pull out the comeback win last week, but the big headlines were the uh, transfer of Kelly Bryant yep. and then the injury to Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I watched most of the second half of that Clemson game um, when it was when it was close, um, and I wanted to see what was going on. And first of all, the commentators were out of control. <laughs> um, they were absolutely out of control. They were just talking about how selfish Kelly Bryant was and he should have stayed. And first of all, let's just say this. The rule is in place. He's a senior who wants to play. This is yep. his last year. Um, you know, wh- however you feel about the rule, he took advantage of the rule to try to extend his playing career. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Nope. Um, and to be honest, he hadn't done anything to really lose the job. Led the team to the playoff last year, and then this year they immediately made the change after the four-game window. Um, it, it feels a little fishy to me that the coaching staff waited until the fourth game um, so that the kid had no choice but to transfer. Um, but anyway... This is none of this is Kelly Bryant's fault. He wants to play. He's a senior. Um, obviously, I would be hurt if I had just taken my team to the playoff and um, you take me out of the starting position for a freshman. Um, so I just want to kind of get your thoughts on this situation, this this transfer rule, which was changed um, coming into this season. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts, Keith? Uh, I mean, I'm in agreement with you. I think it's completely fair. I think it gives a young man who – you know, um, he may have gotten beat out or whatever it may be. It gives him an opportunity to go and transfer. Now, don't get me wrong. Joe Bur- the Joe Burrow situation is not exactly the same because Joe Burrow did it before the season even started. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, a guy like Joe Burrow has still has talent, just like Bryant still has talent. And he can go somewhere and potentially help his stock. Now, I'm not saying he's going to go to the NFL or anything like that, but gives him an opportunity to play again, um, to finish, you know, strong and even have a, a chance to compete, you know, depending on where he's going. Like right now, Joe Burrow has a chance to compete um, because LSU looks very good and we'll get to them soon. Um, but I'm with Bryant, you know, Tim Tebow was with him. A lot of guys, you know, agreed with his decision. Um, and that's, you know, Clemson has to live with it. Um, so they knew at the end of the day, they knew that, you know, when they picked Lawrence, 
that that it could have happened. Mm-hmm. You know, no way is everyone going to just be like, oh, I'll just stay and be a backup. It's my last. Year. No. So um, I bet they just wish they potentially stuck with him yeah. because it, because here's the deal. You stick with him. You give Lawrence an opportunity to grow. And even, you know, he can go into some games um, after that fifth game. He can't do anything anyway. So you have mm-hmm. him. So, you know, in, in my opinion, they just made the wrong mistake. I mean, they re- made the wrong decision. Um, and now they have to ask themselves, like, if anything happens to Lawrence, can you win a championship without, I mean, with Chase Bryce? And my question, my answer is probably no. Um, I mean, he went in, he was 7 to 13, 83 yards and in an interception. Uh, that's not going to get it done against teams like Alabama and Ohio State and all. So this is not a one of those scenarios where Ohio State had, you know, Braxton Miller go down and then they had JT Barrett and then JT Barrett went down and then they had Cardell Jones and Cardell Jones won them a championship. This is not that situation to me. Um, it's either you have Lawrence and y'all can compete or you have Bryce and you may make the playoff, but you may lose. Um, so it's it's a tough situation. They made a tough call. Um, and now they have to live with the, you know, consequences of their actions. So yeah. I'm wishing him nothing but the best. I hope he finds a good place where he can go and maybe even heck, maybe even play against Clemson uh, to show him what what they missed out on uh, his last season. So good luck to that young man. Yeah. And once again, I mean, and Trevor Lawrence has played pretty well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I understand the, the idea of going with the young guy who's your quarterback of the future. But uh, much like Jalen Hurts in Alabama, they really had done any. Neither one of them had really done anything to lose the the starting job, um, and had you know a lot of success. So um, it's unfortunate, and I think I think the NCAA needs to look at this rule um, and look at changing it again, changing it back to whatever it was before. Um, this just it, it seems like it's causing a lot of controversy controversy on both sides. Players not liking, um, you know, sharing duties until the fourth game, and then the team chooses who they want to start just so they won't lose a guy and on the team teams and players are leaving in the middle of the year so they don't lose eligibility so on both yep. sides it just doesn't seem like it's helping anybody nope so all right so let's go ahead and look forward to next week this coming up weekend with some of the big games that we'll be watching um the big the first big one is the red river rivalry number 19 texas taking on the university of oklahoma in Dallas, two teams coming in playing very good football. Keith, what are the keys to this game? Malcolm, I was actually going to let you start. You know, your 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 boomer <laughs> sooner. You know, is uh, you sure don't want you sure you don't want to go? I can start off. Go ahead. Um, so for me, um, if Texas wants to win this game, they're going to have to stop the big plays from Oklahoma, which has been a big problem for everyone they've played, um, whether it's CeeDee Lamb, whether it's Hollywood Brown, whether it's Kyler Murray in the running game. They've just been able to get huge chunk plays um, and put them in kind of flip field position. If Oklahoma is able to do that against Texas, I don't think Texas is explosive enough to keep up with them. Yep. Um, on the other side of the ball, um, I think Texas needs to find a way to get some running, uh, get the running game going against Oklahoma, so that they can do the play action passes and get the ball down the field to their playmakers, um, and try not to get into a, a grinded out game with Oklahoma because I think Oklahoma is going to be able to score against them, and if they have any difficulty scoring, I think I think they're I think they're done for. Um, so I, in in this one, I think I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Um, I think they win by at least ten. Kyler Murray has another big game. 
on the ground and through the air, and they get some some big plays in this one. Oh, man. Yeah, I struggle with this one because here's what I realize is that Texas has faced two really good opponents. Of course, mm-hmm. they lost to Maryland week one, uh, but they beat USC and they beat TCU. You know, two teams that are, are good college football teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at Oklahoma's schedule and, you know, their toughest opponent was a very difficult battle they had with Army. Now, don't get me wrong. That triple option is a tough thing to stop. You know, Navy, Army, they run it, and it's it's just difficult. So many moving parts and all of that. Um, but my my worry with Oklahoma is that they're not battle tested yet mm-hmm. in that in that regard. Um, that's my worry. Um, I love what I've seen from Kyler Murray. I think he is a baller. Um, I think him getting going not just through the air but on the ground is really going to you know, um, give Texas some problems. So I'm looking for him to make plays with his feet. And if he does, Oklahoma definitely has the advantage. Um, but my really big matchup is the matchup of the trays, which mm. Trey will have the better game on the ground. Uh, Trey Watson uh, from Texas has not had a hundred yard game yet. Uh, and Trey Sermon has only had one hundred yard game. Um, now, of course, that's because Kyler Murray's making plays with his feet and all right. that as well. But um whoever's running game can really open up that pass um uh, i think we'll have the we'll have the advantage um uh, you know i'm gonna go texas um because i think they're a little bit more battle tested i think they're hungry and i think this could be a win a statement win uh for tom herman even though it's in oklahoma i was gonna go oklahoma because they're at home uh, but I'm going to go Texas on a game-winning field goal just by three. Um, I think it'll be very close. Um, of course, the quarterback the quarterback play, Kyler Murray versus Sam Ellinger, is going to be a great matchup to watch. But in the end, I just think that because Texas has had those difficult games against really good teams like TCU, who, of course, falls apart in the, in the fourth quarter for some reason, mm-hmm. um, and then because they did beat a, a – inconsistent USC team but still a good USC team um that will help them in this big game so I'm gonna go Texas by three okay in the last game or not the last game the next game we're looking at um number five LSU goes to the swamp to take on number 22 Florida um LSU it's having a very good year, coming in undefeated. We talked a little bit about Joe Burrow earlier, yep. um, leading them at quarterback. Florida under Dan Mullen coming off the big win um, in his return to Starkville against Mississippi State. Yep. What do you think about this game, Keith? Oh, man. LSU's defense is stout, man. Yeah. They are unbelievable to watch. Um, and I really think that um, that Joe Burrow is is – you know, gaining more and more confidence in himself in that system, uh, playing some of the toughest competition he's had to play, um, beating Auburn already and all. Um, even though LSU's going to Florida, I think their defense is too good. I don't think Florida's going to be able to make enough plays. Um, and I think Joe Burrow's going to make a few big throws uh, for LSU to take it. I, I have LSU by 10. Yeah, this is a tough one for me to uh... – to go with Joe Burrow hasn't been super impressive this year. Nope, not yet. He's, he's done just enough to win, uh, but I think this is the best defense that he's seen so far. Um, you know, Auburn um, has a pretty good defense, but this Florida defense is one of the best in the country. Um, Florida largely hasn't been tested, although they did win a big game on the road last week at Mississippi State. 
Um, I think that I think the keys for this, excuse me, are Florida needs to try to, to establish the running game against this LSU defense. Yep. This LSU secondary is really good. Um, and Felipe Franks has shown moments where he has been a good uh, passer. But if he at all puts the ball um, in play for those defensive backs, it's going to be a long night for them. Um, LSU, LSU's corners are that good. Greedy Williams is one of the best corners, if not the best corner in college football. No doubt. Um, no doubt. On the other end, Joe Burrow's got to find a way to get some big plays for LSU. Um, they're not going to be able to get long, sustained drives against this Florida team. This Florida team is very aggressive. They're going to bring the pressure. Yep. Um, and, and they're playing in the swamp, so that means it's going to be loud. It's a primetime game. Yep. Um, so... All that being said, I still think LSU's defense is going to be a little bit too tough. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, um, and it's going to come down to which defense can can. Um, it may come down to which defense can actually score a touchdown for their team. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to lean toward LSU. I think LSU is going to win by, I'll say by uh, by three. Mm, um, but this close, is going to be a low-scoring okay. game. It's going to be okay. close. I, it's going to come down to – I think it's going to come down to a late turnover, a late play by the defense. I think this is what we're going to see in this one. Gotcha. I hear you, man. And then the last game we're looking at this weekend, number six, Notre Dame. Probably their last really big test travels to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech bounced back um, from their old Dominion loss with yep. a win this week, and Notre Dame obviously had the big game against Stanford. Um, Keith, how are you feeling on this one? Gosh, Malcolm, I'm still struggling. Um, because Notre Dame, like I said, they really shocked me, uh, this past weekend. They played extremely well. Um, I mean, Book looked really good. Like I said, uh, Miles Boykin looked good. That defense was really stout. Um, you know what? I'm going to trust my gut, though. Um, at the end of the day, I still can't trust them yet. So I'm going to pick Virginia Tech, and here's why. Oh. Uh, Bud Foster always has his defense ready to play. Yep. Um, now, of course, they gave up 49 to Old Dominion, but then they turn around and play Duke and only give up 14. Yep. Um, only gave up three to Florida State. Of course, we know that situation. And then, you know, they did give up, you know, 17, uh, you know, what was it, William Murphy, whatever, WM. Um <laughs> But they're William Murphy. Whatever. You know. Um <laughs> not William you know, whatever. William w, Mary. Mary, yeah, not Murray. Um, you know <laughs> what I mean. Um so here's a deal, Malcolm. I'm a Virginia Tech is, in my opinion, um, they're not as great as they could be. Um, but they're at home. I think their defense will come to play. Uh, their offense, I mean, they, they put up, you know, 24, 62, 35, and 31. Their offense can score some points. Um, so all that being said, their Notre Dame has to go on the road. They have to do it again. I think they choke. I think Virginia Tech wins uh, by seven. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to just go with the upset. I'm going to trust my gut. I'm still not trusting Notre Dame, Notre Dame just yet. Maybe they'll prove me wrong again. And then I'll be with them the rest of the way. But uh, they have to prove themselves to me one more time before I can really trust Brian Kelly. I, I really want to pick Virginia Tech too. I had them as my um, as ACC 
they're going to make it to the ACC championship game. Um, but I was just looking this up. They're, they're still without their starting quarterback, and they're playing uh. Uh, junior Ryan Willis, um, who honestly I've never seen take a snap. Uh, but that makes me nervous again in this kind of game, this kind yeah. of big game. Yeah. Under the lights against a, a motivated Notre Dame team who wants to prove that they're for real. Um, man, Justin Fuente, you know, for what it's worth, is a great play caller in these big games. He knows how to get his team ready. And like you said, Bud Foster is one of the best ever to do it as a defensive coordinator. And I think they'll have right. a good strategy um, to, to help limit Notre Dame. But I think ultimately what it comes down to it, Virginia Tech isn't going to be able to score enough points. I think Notre, Notre Dame wins one by two touchdowns. Mm, mm. Yep. I wanted so, to pick, I'm telling you, man, I wanted to pick, you know, um, Notre Dame so badly. I just, something within me, it just won't allow me to pick them yet. Not yet. If, if Virginia Tech had their quarterback, I would definitely have picked Virginia Tech. I just, I, I don't know this kid. so <laughs> Yeah, right. that's true. I, I didn't, I didn't read up on that. I didn't know that. So, um, that may have swayed me, but I'm still gonna roll with Virginia Tech, man. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I'll be I'm gonna stick to my. I'm sticking to my guns. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's change gears a little bit to the NFL. Um, the big news this week so far has been we have a potential return for Le'Veon Bell. Looks like he's gonna come back after the bye week. I believe that's week eight, um, and the Steelers definitely need him as Absolutely. much as ever. Um, they lost. A, they lost. This is their second loss. Uh, they just had this past week. So, Keith, do you think that Le'Veon can help save their season? Is it too late? Is there too much um, locker room strife going going on? What? How do you feel? I don't know, honestly, because I mean, like, I don't know how I would feel as a player, as a coach. You know, we offer you seventy million. You decline it. Okay. You don't report. You know, um, I just don't know how that would make me feel if I just should just welcome you back with open arms because you're one of the best running backs in the league. I mean, that's absolutely what you do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's clearly head over heels better than James Conner. He gives you so much more. Um, But can he help them? Absolutely. Because that just opens up so much more within what. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be able to do, you know, he's hurting without Le'Veon right now. You know, he's got to get it all done himself for the most part. James Conner, he had a, you know, a couple good weeks, but he's not Le'Veon Bell. So Le'Veon Bell could definitely help save their season uh, if it's not too late by week seven. If their record isn't good enough, it may be too late Um, because there's some, you know, the Bengals are no joke this year. Uh, The Ravens are no joke this year. Um, and I mean, you know, don't get me started on Jacksonville. New England will always clean it up. Um, you got, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. The AFC is stacked this year, so they need him. You know, if I if I were them, I would be begging him, please come back sooner. Um, <laughs> seriously, like, please come back sooner. Um, but again, you know. Like, I know some Pittsburgh fans who are just like, you know, oh, F him, you know, you know, he, you know, yeah, right, exactly. That's right. You know, but, you know, we don't need him anyways. He don't want to be here. Fine. You know, at the end of the day, they know if he's suiting up next week, they are going to be ecstatic because they know what he's going to give this offense. And fantasy lovers will love it, too. So um, if they held on to him this long. (laughs) Right. You know, 
clearly their offense needs him. So we're going to see, man. I'm interested to see how players and all that respond. You know, that's going to be huge. You know, when he does come back, uh, what's that going to look like? So and then what type of playing shape is he going to be in? Um, How good is he going to look? Is he still going to be able to make all them sharp cuts and everything like he's always able to? Uh, That's that's the thing, you know. So I don't know, Malcolm. Look, um, my first thought was that these guys are just going to there's the chemistry is too far off. There's no way he could come back into this locker room. But then I looked at their schedule for the rest of the year and the rest of their schedule has they still have to go to Baltimore and play the Ravens, the Carolina Panthers. They go to Jacksonville, to Denver. They play at Oakland. They have a game in December against the Patriots after the Patriots. They go to New Orleans to play the Saints before ending the season at home against the Bengals. They're gonna look at that schedule and be like, "Please, love you, come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are what? Please, we love you. We missed you so much." <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, James Conner just he he had an impressive debut, um, but after that, it's been pretty much curtains for him. I mean, they yep. right now they're twenty um, eighth in the league in rushing as a team, averaging seventy two yards per game, um, and they're the third third um passing offense in the league um so if you even get up to to average with that running game i think that's one or two wins right there yeah um, that they could have had especially in that game against the uh browns they the definitely browns. could have used Le'Veon bell yep um you know at a minimum he draws enough attention that's going to help guys like antonio brown juju uh, yeah juju smith schuster mm-hmm. um it's going to help all of those guys get more opportunities and it's going to help big ben to have another check down option yep. um and levy on bell as well so um look y'all have all the hurt feelings you want but when he gets back there <laughs> y'all better hug it up right and, <laughs> and, suck, and, it and, up. and <laughs> suck it up are y'all right. gonna be at home uh, watching the playoffs right exactly and you know pittsburgh fans ain't ain't with that you know they, they about not. playoff football so so yep. he'll get his i think he'll get his money this summer i don't know if it's if it's gonna be from the uh if it's gonna be from the steelers but um i think he proved his point he'll come back and hopefully they can uh, get back to some winning football yep well, hopefully not, because I don't want to see him win. So, well, know. that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the flip, the flip side of this situation, Le'Veon Bell held out. Earl Thomas decided to come back and play, but he broke his leg and is out for the rest of the year. Yep. Um, and then he obviously had a, a lot of controversy after uh, flipping off the sidelines on his way out. Yep. Um, and so it's, it's making a lot of people wonder which you know approach is right. Coming back and playing on a one-year deal, risking injury, or the Le'Veon Bell approach of sitting out um, and trying to preserve your body, which is obviously as a football player is your prime asset, um, especially at the running back position. Yep. Um, so um, put put the ball in your court. If you were a player um, with one year left or you're on a franchise tender, you're trying to get that big payday, would you take the Earl Thomas approach, come in and play? Um, or would you take the Le'Veon Bell approach um, and sit some time out um, and try to preserve your body? Man, Malcolm, this is tough. I mean, because, like, I think there's a, a lot of factors here. Like, the first thing is that running backs take a beating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's why the lifespan of a running back is normally not that long anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you're Darren Sproles, who can just continue to come out, come back over and over again. Um, but regardless, um, I don't know, I guess it would depend. Like 
for me, I feel like sitting out a year or half a year, like I'm, I'm not playing and you know, all that could be detrimental to me. Um, but at the same point in time, when you're Le'Veon Bell and you're proven, you know, hey, it's like you're people are going to have to trust what they've seen already. Um, yeah. So if it were me, I guess it would depend on where I'm at. Like if I'm a safety and I know I can still get the job done and I'm not too worried. You know, of course, in football, you can get hit injured at any given time. Uh, but I'd probably play. But as a running back or, you know, something like that, I'd probably sit as well. Um, you know, especially when you see some other guys getting some big paydays. So um, it's a very tough, tough decision. And I I see it both ways. I see both sides. I respect both decisions at the end of the day. Um, but. I guess it would just depend on what I'm playing. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely, the NFL and football is such a physical sport. Yep. Um, and I would lean more toward the Le'Veon Bell angle just because yep. there's no guaranteed contracts in the NFL. Yep. Um, and until that changes, the players have to have some sort of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, him making the choice to sit out the first half of the year, knowing that if he came in there in a contract year, the Steelers are probably going to try to run him into the ground. Um, and, you know, I, I thought back to uh, DeMarco Murray in his contract year with um, with the Cowboys, um, where he led the league in total offense, but he got, I believe, um, between 300 and 400 touches that year, and he was never the same after that. Um, signed the big deal with Philly that he never lived up to, played yep. – a year in uh, Tennessee and now he retired before the season even started. So, um, you know, I, I definitely understand him trying to preserve his body, um, trying to, to not have so much wear and tear, but still put himself in a position to have a big payday this summer. And the franchise tag to me is, is just, I don't know how that is legal <laughs> to do. Yeah, right. um, a player wants to sign elsewhere and a team could just sign him to this deal that averages out his salary. And I, Man, that's that's a tough thing to take, especially when you, um, you know, thirty that that three that big three zero for running backs is the magic number where um, you just don't have the same production. So you want to get that last big payday before it's all said and done. So I I definitely can feel that. Definitely feel for Earl Thomas as well. Um, it's got to be frustrating knowing that you're coming into this year wanting a, wanting a new contract, not getting it, and then getting hurt. Um, man, I, I know that's not easy. So. Yep. Shout out to both those guys. Hopefully both of them can come back um, healthy and get their money this coming off season. Yep. Um, one more headline we'll hit before we talk about next week's games. Um, let's go to Tampa Bay and talk about the Buccaneers. Um, oh, boy. Fitzmagic is over. Completely <laughs> over. Completely. Um where do I start with this? So, uh, Jameis Winston had a suspension, um, was eligible to play this week, but they decided to go with Fitzpatrick, uh, who had a terrible, terrible start to the game. And then the second half, they came back with Winston. Um, do you think the Buccaneers should have made this switch sooner? Should they have even tried to play Fitzpatrick again? He had already had a bad game the week before. Um, obviously the first two games were the Cinderella story of the early part of the season. Yeah. Um, and then the other part of this question is, is Jameis Winston going to be the quarterback of this team moving forward? Obviously, he hasn't been quite the quarterback they expected. Nope. Um, but how do you how do you feel about this quarterback situation? 
here's the thing. I give the coach some credit for starting Fitzpatrick. Here's why. At the end of the day, I'm a firm believer in going with the hot hand. Um, and, of course, he did not play well the week before, but he played extremely well the two weeks before. Um, and Fitzpatrick is that type of guy where, you know, he's hot, he's hot, and there's a lot of times that he's not. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, shoot, you got to ride it while he's hot. But, um, gosh, man, Jameis is such a disappointment, man, because he does have a lot of talent, but he's just an idiot. Like, let's just call it what it is. He's an idiot. Um, and he's not what you would hope for in a leader uh, in the quarterback position, normally that is a position of leadership just because you're the quarterback. Yeah. Um, and so I agree with the decision of playing Fitzpatrick because then now you're at least clear, okay, we got to go back to Jameis and we got to just hope that, you know, he can, you know, cause they have playmakers. They have, yeah. well, at least let me say they have some playmakers. Yeah. Um, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson is playing out of his mind this yeah. year. Um, you know, now the running back position needs a little love. Peyton Barber's okay. Um, but they have enough pieces to be able to score some points as they did the first few weeks. So, um, I don't know. I'm going to be watching Jameis very closely, um, because he may not be the, the quarterback of their future. They may have to, you know, start over again and bring a young guy in. I have no idea. Um, but I don't love what Jameis Winston brings to the table. He brings a lot of baggage and it's, and it's not like he's performing at an elite level where you can deal with some of the baggage that he brings. Um, so I don't know, man, I'm not a huge Jameis guy. Like I liked what he did at Florida state. He came up clutch in a lot of situations. Um, and I figured like, okay, he'll be able to clean up some of his, you know, he won't be going, you know, trying to steal some crabs or anything like that. Um, (laughs) but, uh, gosh, Malcolm, I want to root for the guy so bad, but he is just, I I don't know what to say about that guy. Honestly, I feel bad for Tampa Bay guys because they have, they have some talent. Um, so we'll see, man. We'll see. I'm hoping he can really pull it together. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. Yeah. I, uh, to be honest, I keep forgetting that Jameis Winston is a thing anymore. Um, that's how unimpressive he's been in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just he just doesn't he's not on anybody's radar as a top quarterback. Um, I think we all see flashes of it. Even in the game that he played this week, he was sixteen of twenty uh, with a touchdown. He did have two interceptions, um, but you see flashes of what he can be, and especially with. This group of playmakers, you talked about Deshaun Jackson, you talked about Mike Evans. Um, they also have um, O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard, from, Cameron Brayma. Um, I mean, they, they've got some great weapons, and, and, you, and you would think that he could do more things, but he just hasn't been consistent enough. Um, I honestly think this is going to be the last straw for him. They're going to look to uh, part ways with him and possibly bring in another young quarterback um, to be the quarterback of the future. Um, I, I don't think it's over for James Winston, but I think it may be over for him in Tampa Bay. Uh, maybe a change of scenery would be good. But, you know, one of the things that teams liked about him was um, his on-field leadership. And it just hasn't translated to winning in the NFL so far. Um, and the off-field stuff is just really concerning, um, especially in the in the current climate um, ac- across the country. So, um. Yeah, 
I was, I'll be honest, I, I thought that Jameis would start this game. Um, Fitzpatrick just looked so bad in the last one. Yeah. Um, if he had been coming off, you know, obviously if he had played week three like he did the first two weeks, then I would have been like, okay, it's obvious he needs to be the starter. But he didn't, didn't play well against Pittsburgh, and that just continued. And that's kind of the, the tape on Ryan Fitzpatrick. He'll give you a couple good games, and then he'll just look terrible. Yep. Um, and so I think they, they milked all they could out of him <laughs> before James got back. Um, and I think they, I think they got all his talent out of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so hopefully I'm hoping they have the weapons, they have the tools. James has just got to produce if he, he wants to be to. the quarterback, if he Absolutely. wants to be a starting quarterback, you gotta, you gotta capitalize on your opportunities. Yep. Um, especially when you have off the field baggage. If you have off the field baggage and you produce, teams can work with that and they'll yep. figure it out. But yep. if if your off the field stuff starts to overshadow your on the field production, then that's that's a quick way to get uh, get the hook from a team. That's why I wanted Pac Man Jones gone for so long. You <laughs> yeah. know, like in the beginning stages, like okay, he was really playing well, giving us enough. You know, where his off the field crap was okay. But then toward the later years, I'm just like, let that Negro go. Like, look, <laughs> we can we can move on. I'm glad he ain't with us anymore. Good yeah. God. Yeah, I agree. So let's go ahead and talk about these games coming up this week. Um, big game in Kansas City. The Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars traveled yeah. to Arrowhead, Arrowhead to take on the undefeated Kansas City Chiefs yep. and the red freaking hot Patrick Mahomes. My goodness. Um, I'll start off with this one. Go Mahomes ahead. obviously had a big game last week going to Denver and getting that win. Uh, coming back um, on the road, um, facing a very strong press rush from Von Miller and others on that team. Um, I think the Jaguars are going to pull off the upset, and I think it's going to be because of that defense. Yep. Um, those corners, um, talking about Jalen Ramsey, we're talking about the pass rushers like Dante Fowler, like Miles Jack. Um, I think those guys are going to put pressure on Mahomes in a way that he hasn't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think this will be the best defense he faces this year. Um, and it'll be the first real test. I think Denver, obviously, is one of the best defenses as well. But I think Jacksonville's a step above them. Yep. I think Blake Bortles is going to make enough plays in the defense. He's going to get um, on the scoreboard once, maybe twice. I think Jacksonville pulls this one out um, by probably 10 points, I'll say. Yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, I looked at the halftime stats of this of that past Kansas City game against Denver, and it was just like I thought, you know, like I predicted, uh, you know, on last week's podcast, um, Denver was putting a lot of pressure on them. Now, they didn't sack them a lot. That's the key. You know, Mahomes is so shifty. I mean, throw is throwing balls with the other hand like he gets away um, like I haven't seen in a while. He is not being sacked a whole lot. Um but he came out in the second half, man, and made plays, um, and he really shocked me. Um, so I'm with you. Jacksonville's defense, I have them in fantasy. I love them. Um, they they know how to get the job done. Um, I'm going to go with Jacksonville as well. Um, and here's the, the key. Blake Bortles, in a few of these games, has thrown for over 300 yards. Blake mm-hmm. Bortles also has some decent weapons like they're the dd westbrooks and keelan coles you know it's my worry is leonard fournette um if they have fournette in the game i I'm think def- he's out he's out indefinitely yeah i mean and i have him in fantasy it's terrible um but 
that's the one area that would concern me is that if they're not a, if TJ Yeldon's not able to get the run game going and they're one dimensional, that puts a lot more pressure on Blake Bortles, mm-hmm. um, to which plays in Kansas City's favor. Um, because Kansas City's defense is not a slouch defense either. Um, they're not the greatest, but they're also not a slouch. So I'm going to still take Jacksonville be- because of that stout defense, because I think they'll be able to get to Mahomes and actually sack him a few times and potentially force him to, you know, uh, make a few errant throws with that with that secondary that is so lethal. Um, and it'll put Blake Bortles in situations where he can um, where he can succeed. So that's what I'm going for now. Next game, Vikings travel to Philly to take on the defending Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, these are two teams that are that most people were talking about as serious contenders in the NFC. The Eagles look to have um, Alshon Jeffrey back this week. Um, Keith, what's your prediction for this one? Yeah, I mean, Alshon Jeffrey was back last week, and he uh, had a great first game back. It was incredible. Um I didn't play him in fantasy because I was like, okay, his first game back, you know, we'll see how he, this dude balled um, and looked like the the Alshon Jeffrey that made the incredible Super Bowl catch and all. Mm-hmm. So um, Carson Wentz is definitely looking like he's getting his his legs back. You know, um, he's got his, his one of his favorite targets in Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey working for him. Um, I need to see a little bit more from Jay Ajayi uh, with their run game, but – um, I have not been impressed with what I've seen from the Vikings thus far. Uh, two back-to-back losses, lost really bad to the Bills. Um, now, of course, they played the Rams, whose offense is impeccable. Um, but I think the Eagles take this game uh, because the Vikings' defense is struggling um, really, really bad. Um, even though Kirk Cousins you know, and Stephon Diggs and all, their, their offense is good, but it's their defense that, that worries me. Um, and Philly's defense has been a little bit more consistent than theirs. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and say I'm going to go with Philly. Uh, Philly by a touchdown. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Philly, too. The Minnesota defense has been a disappointment, uh, giving oh, giving up over 400 yards a game. And also their running game just hasn't been able to get really rolling uh, injuries to, to Dalvin Cook, who yep. um, has really been hindered by those this year. Um you know, they're one of the worst rushing teams in football, averaging only 63 yards per game on the ground. Yep. yep. Um, I think Philly is, is starting. It's going to start hitting their stride soon. Um, I think J.H.I. is going to have a big game in this game. And Carson Wentz is, once again, getting his rhythm back, getting that chemistry back with receivers like Ertz and, and Jeffrey. I think they pull out the victory by, uh, I'll say, 13 points. Ooh, big, a big win for them. All right, man, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> And here we go. Bring it. The main event. Yes, sir. The Miami Dolphins travel to Cincinnati to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. This is the first time the Bengals show up on our games to watch. So, Keith, will let you start off. What's your prediction for this one? First of all, um, Tyler Eifert, gosh, like, you get hurt every year. This one, of course, is out of your control. But my goodness, man, you have some terrible luck. I feel for you. Hopefully, you know, you're able the surgery goes well and you're able to return. But my goodness, man, it's rough yeah. for you. Um, second of all, uh, the Bengals are looking good. Um, 
Now, I'm not one of those fans that's just going to get all worked up and be like, oh, my goodness, this is our year and all of that. Like, not yet. I'm with Stephen A. on this. Like, let's win a playoff game first. <laughs> Shoot. Let's let's do that before we talk about anything else. Um, but I love what I see from our offense with Tyler Boyd, with, you know, even without Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard has really stepped up. Andy Dalton has been making some very critical clutch throws. You can tell what it's like for him to have time. The offensive line has really stepped up, uh, giving this guy enough time to find the A.J. Greens and the Tyler Boyds and Geo in the backfield and, you know, even John Ross. Um, and, of course, our defense, of course, they didn't look very good against Atlanta's, you know, offense. Atlanta's offense is just really, really good. They have so many weapons. Um, but I am excited Um because I think Cincinnati, we really, we really have a team this year, um, and so with this, with these Dolphins, they're so inconsistent. Ryan Tannehill is so up and down. Um, I'm, I'm believing that the Bengals will definitely pull out this win. They're at, we're at home. Um, hopefully, Joe Mixon's able to come back. We really are missing him, um, just in the sense that you know he is such a guy that oh my goodness. With the pass, with the run, he will run guys over. He's shifty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's one of the better backs in the league, honestly. You know, of course, you have your Le'Veon Bells and you have um, your, well, when he comes back, and, uh, and your, your Todd Gurley's and all. But I think he's going to be a guy that really, if he stays healthy, will be one of the top five backs uh, in the league. He's got the size. He's got the speed um, and all. So I'm excited. I'm excited, you know, um, still not necessarily a huge believer in Marvin Lewis until he wins a playoff game, 15 years, <laughs> not one playoff game, doesn't happen anywhere else, um, but uh, but we definitely should get this win this week, uh, and we beat the Dolphins by 14. Yeah, I, wanna, I was trying to find a reason to pick the Dolphins. Of um, course you were. <laughs> but I just, I, I don't trust Ryan Tannehill. Nope. Um, they're coming off a, a loss last week against the Patriots. Um, and this Bengals offense is really good, especially when they have uh, Joe Mixon um, in the backfield to mix things up. Obviously, A.J. Green losing Tyler Eifert is, is going to hurt, but I think they have enough weapons to make some big plays against this Miami defense. I think they'll yep. pull it out. I think it'll be a close one, uh, but I think they win by six. Mm. Mm. Okay. So those are the games that we're watching. Uh, we'll be paying close attention to those, and uh, we'll see how our picks hold up yes sir. Um, but we are nearing the end of our show and you guys know how we like to end our show is with our parting words keith give us your parting words this evening um listen um i'm gonna shout out like i said before i'm gonna shout out tyler eifert man you know you came back this season very optimistic looking forward to you know trying to you know make a real good name for yourself and, you know, you have a play where, you know, a guy just lands on your ankle, man. I really feel for you. Um, and like I said, I really hope you can recover. Um, no one was, you know, of course, no one is expecting an injury, you know. But um, I was concerned about your back. But um, but gosh, you know what? It's, it's just bad. Um, so get well and uh, hopefully we can, you know, get you back again for one more ride. Um, yeah. So that's that. And uh, yeah, Malcolm, I think that's that's about it right now. (laughs) All right. My parting words are going to go out to uh, the legend, EJ, Ernie Johnson. EJ. Um, This week he put out a video. um, He usually 
does get to call some games for the baseball playoffs. But he said this year he's not going to be able to do it because um, having some issues with blood clots in his legs and the doctors are telling him not to travel. Um, so just my thoughts going out to EJ, a legend in broadcasting. Legend. Um, absolutely need him healthy and feeling good and ready for the NBA season. Um, him, Shaq, Charles, and Kenny are the best um, NBA show anywhere. Yes. So my shouts out to Kenny and his I mean, to EJ and his family, get healthy. Uh, we look forward to seeing you back in the broadcasting chair really soon. Absolutely. So that's it. That's another episode of the 3-in-1 podcast, 2-in-1 edition. <laughs> Joining us from from Cincinnati, Ohio. That's right. Keith Turner Jr. Hey, listen. Bengals, we need a playoff win. Let's do it this year. Let's do Come it. On. We got a lot of time into the playoffs. That we do. (laughs) And it's your boy in the capital city, Columbus, Ohio, Malcolm Morgan. Our man Ian is not here. Shout out to him. But he gets our love. And you guys have been listening to the 3-in-1 podcast, 2-in-1 edition. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Peace.